Now, we know what happened to David. God told him he would be king, but David ended up running for his life. And here is David saying in Psalms, in the Psalms, how precious, O Lord, are your thoughts towards me. If I were to count them, they're more than the sands of the sea. And when I awake, you're still with me. God is with you. Turn to someone and say, God is with you today, whatever your situation may be. God is with you, those of us who are, those who are watching online. God is with you. Let's greet those who are watching online. And the same thing he will do in this place today, he is doing for you at the same time. So the next thing is for you, you know, you've done this, I've done this with you once before. You turn to someone and say, I am, you are my family. You are my family. And for those of you online, you are my family. I'm listening to hear you say it back to me. Mrs. Hilton, I can't hear you. <laughs> you are my family. You are family. We are the family of God. And so Paul says, don't forget that. I love Paul. Paul says, don't forget that. I want to tell you a story of a woman who was at work when she heard her daughter was very ill in school. And so she got into her car, drove to the chemist on her way home, and in her anxiety to get home, she locked her key in her car. So she's standing outside the pharmacist and just praying and asking God to do something. And she turned and saw a dusty, a rusty uh, cloak hanger. And she picked it up but had no idea what to do. So she said again to the Lord, what do I do? And a man at that point came by. And she said to him, sir, do you know what to do with this? I, I've locked my car, my keys in my car. Can you help me? And in no time at all, he straightened the, the wire out and the car, she was in the car in less than a minute. And so she hugged him and thanked him and said, you're such a kind man. Thank you, sir. And he said, lady, I'm not a kind man. I just got out of prison for car theft. <laughs> and she just lifted her hands and said, thank you, Lord, for sending me a professional. <laughs> so here we are. We have Paul, the professional, who is going to tell us how to have a kingdom mind. This is Paul, who every time he opened his door, he got into trouble. Every time Paul came outside, he got into trouble. From his beginning of salvation, from the time he came to know Christ, to his martyrdom, he kept serving God. Amen. Then they said to Paul, we'll kill you for what you're doing. He said, then it's gain. <laughs> That's okay, it's gain. Then they said, no, then we won't kill you. So they, he said, then I'll preach Christ. And Paul, if Paul was to come out and run the race with us today, he will say, do what he asks you to do, no matter the cost. Just keep on doing the kingdom things of God. We heard about these young men who were in prison. While we were praying for them, I was just saying, Lord, you can do it again. You can cause a Paul experience to happen. Let the prison doors burst open. So that the jailer says, what is that? I want that too. God can do it again. Whatever he has done in your life in the past, he can do it again. I don't care what your life looks like today. 
I don't know what, if you're not seeing God answer a prayer, if he did it once, he will do it again. Just stand firm in who you are and who he is to you. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your presence. Holy Spirit of God, we ask that you will proclaim the words of God. I have the notes, but you are the word. So speak through in the holy name of your holy son, O God, and let your name be glorified in everything that proceeds from my mouth. Let it be to your honor and to your glory in the name of Jesus. And your word says, when the word is spoken, it is power and it becomes life. So Lord, I pray that your word will be power, energy, life to us. That we will leave this place renewed, revitalized, restored, refreshed. Ready to do the work of the kingdom for the kingdom's sake. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Philippians chapter 4, verse 1 to 9, but I want to read, go back a little and read in chapter 3, verse 20. For Paul says, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies, that it may be confirmed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able to subdue all things, unto himself. I love the word of God. When you read it, digest it. Don't just read. Sometimes in devotions, I'm not the only one that just skips through and reads through to get through the devotions for the day. Come on, put your hands up. Be honest. When you're reading the word, eat it. Because it's, the Lord uses the word to speak to us. Sometimes the answer to your prayer is as you read. <laughs> And, some, and another thing I've noticed with the Lord, he will feed you because he wants you to feed someone else. Because it's all about the kingdom. It's not about just you. It's not about just me. If you have a financial need today, he won't give it to you just for you. He'll give it to you because he knows he can say to you, give it to so-and-so. Give some to so-and-so. Because it's all about for him, the kingdom. Therefore, my beloved and longed-for brethren, in verse, chapter 4, verse 1, my joy and my crown, so stand fast in the Lord. I like the translation that says, stand firm in the Lord. I implore Lodicea and I implore Synthesis to be of the same mind in the Lord. And I urge you also, true companion, help those women who labored with me in the gospel, with Clemens also, the rest of fellow workers, with the rest of the fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the God of peace, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind through Jesus Christ. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, do these and the God of peace will be with you. Paul wrote this book in prison. He's saying these things in a bad place. 
I don't know where you are right now, but if your place is bad, speak the word of God. That's where your power, your source, your recovery comes from. Keys to the kingdom, to a kingdom mind. And we see Paul, excuse me, the word of God says, he will, I want to read just this part again. He will transform the body of our humble conditions into the likeness of his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject everything to himself. That's why he went to the cross. That's why we commune remembering what he did for us. On the cross of Christ, he took away all our sins forever. He drew everything to himself. He did not go halfway to the cross. He did, went through a horrible time just to say, God wanted to tell us, I love you. And then when he rose from the dead, he gave us victory over every, not some, every situation that we would face. I am now giving you the authority. It doesn't mean the enemy doesn't have power. You notice that it says we fight not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. But here, guess the good news is God gave you and me the authority over that power. So use it. Stop crying. Stand up. Use the authority God has given you. Paul says, stand firm. It doesn't mean just stand. It means stand in what you know. Stand in what you believe and don't move even though your eyes don't yet see it. Paul is saying this is the way. Remembering of whose we are. And we live for his glory only. He is acknowledging that it's not easy to stand firm. I don't know about you, but I, it doesn't, it's not easy to stand firm. <laughs> Waver a bit. <laughs> My knees do that for me. I don't know about you, but I find that I must daily not only acknowledge who I am to him and who he is to me, but I have to hold that truth throughout the day because the enemy is always looking for a basis to accuse. He cannot accuse you without you giving him a basis. Paul is saying, don't give him room. Psalm 139, verse 16. You who created me to be, even before I became me, before I even saw the light of day, you know all my days. How beautiful is that? It means that we can stand firm no matter what because he's got you and he's got me. <laughs> you and I can, we, you and, or, and I can delay or cancel something that God has for us to do, even though it has already been decided, if we forget the purpose of Calvary. You and I can delay or cancel something God has for us, even though it's already been declared, because Psalm 139 verse 6 says that, 16 says that. He knows our days even before one day began. That's the first key. The first key is to stand firm. The second key, have an intentional relationship with Christ. Verse 2, Paul is asking the women who had helped him in the church, they had been so vital and involved in the work of the church, who have contended with him for the gospel by his side. And these women, God, Paul is saying they had lost sight of the big picture. 
Eventually, the dispute between them affected the whole church. So Paul tells them to lay aside their differences for the sake of what? The gospel. Talk to me. He told them to lay aside their differences for the sake of the gospel. These are women who were doing of the same mind in Christ. They were doing the same work. And yet here they are at loggerheads with each other. And Paul is crying out to them and saying, please, stop. Get out of your head and begin to see the face of Jesus. If you and I were to go to the streets and ask the question, how do you cope with a situation in life? Some would say rest and relaxation, holidays. Others will say meditation, money perhaps. Money, as you know, isn't all. Others may turn sadly to drugs or alcohol, gambling, entertainment, immoral lifestyles. But none of these things last. It's all a quick fix. And sometimes they even cause more trouble. Finally, you may find someone who says, well, I can cope with every situation in life because I have good friends who are there to help me. But the main problem in that situation is that friends and family sometimes can let us down or take us down. I've lived long enough in this life to experience that. So friends and family can change over the years. Someone can be warm and close to you one minute, and the next minute they're distant. And not only always know why. In verses 2 and 3 in our text, we see this sad example. And it was happening in the church. So Paul says, or rather, in Psalms 118, verse 8, it says, It is better to trust in the Lord than to have confidence in man. It doesn't mean we shouldn't have friends. It doesn't mean we shouldn't have precious friends. It is saying our confidence must be in Christ. Our assurance must be in Christ. Our fullness must be in Christ. Our contentment must be in Christ. It is another passage of scripture that actually says, man will fail you, but I, the Lord, will not. So I hear people in church say, I'm not coming back to that church because so-and-so did this to me. Oh, for goodness sake, get off your high horse and serve the Lord. Just serve the Lord. People will say things about you. Your hair is too long. It blocks their view. It's this is going wrong. And why is she wearing that shirt and color and... What's he about and all that? It, it happens in church, sadly. Why we do that? When God brings us together to care for each other. We are the church. This is the building where the church meets. You and I are the church. We are the family of God. We're supposed to care and encourage and support and pray for each other. You don't have to understand why the person is in those shoes. In actual fact, we don't actually know why someone is in that shoe. I went to a con conference some years ago where the, uh, the, uh, the board was saying, uh, had a, a, a footballer in, in, a, a footballer in um, ballet shoes and the ballet dancer in football shoes. And, and the whole theme was, whose shoes are you wearing? We don't know people's lives. We need to just encourage them, stand with them. You don't need to know the story. If God says to you, pray for the person on your left, just pray. He's about to do something both in your life and theirs. Just do it. Paul says, I beseech you. I am, the word means I implore you. I entreat you. Look at the bigger picture for the sake of the gospel. We cannot teach what we don't live. 
We must strive to be Jesus to each other. Therefore, that goes out to the street. There's a song, little song I learned in Sunday school. That's a long, long time ago. <laughs> As a Guyanese would say, long, long time back then. But it, it says, every day he gets sweeter than the day before. It, says they will, it also says, they will not look at what you say. They're looking at what you do and how you live. They're judging by your actions every day. The person you sat next to in the bus, what was your behavior? <laughs> the person that cuts you up in the street in their car, what is your behavior? Is it possible that that happened because God wants you to pray for that person who has done wrong to you? <laughs> the world lacks kindness and love, doesn't it? We're living in a world that lacks. I was saying earlier, uh, I sat in the tube yesterday, uh, underground, and it was incredible. I deliberately looked around, and absolutely no one was looking at the other person. They were all engrossed in themselves, head down. We wonder sometimes why we're not, our lives are a mess, because we keep looking down. We're looking for answers down, rather than looking up. Who has all the answers? How much time we spend looking down on our phones? Even sitting here, my uh, Apple Watch has been going off like nuts. I can go nuts if I keep looking at it. We need to look up at what God is saying. If we struggle with loving each other, how can we pray that wars will cease? When there's warring in the Church of Christ, and by that, I don't mean a church. I mean the universal church of Christ. Worrying about things and situations and whether this is this and that is that, none of which draws God's attention. The only thing that grows his attention, draws his attention is that I'm caring for someone. I'm giving someone the word. Someone is coming to know Christ. And when we do that, we grieve the Spirit of God. One of the words, one of the um, names of the Holy Spirit is dove. He's easy, sensitive. A dove is sensitive. The Holy Spirit is easily grieved. And if we grieve him, we are grieved. And then we behave from grief towards each other. The dove, the Holy Spirit, will never be active where there's chaos and noise. We can't even hear him when there's a noise going on in our head. You know, all the things you have to do and all the things you must do. You can't pray like that. We can't hear him because there's so much going on. Stop and begin to listen. Someone years ago, I heard this and it meant a lot to me. He said there are three steps to prayer. The first step is when you start to pray, but all sorts of things are going on in your head. You know that thing. Now you got to, if you have children, you have to make the sandwiches for school. You have to do this. You have to do that. You have all this because you're thinking of the time that you have before going out of the house or the things that are happening at work. And it's all happening at the same time that you're trying to pray. And I don't know about you, but I've had times when I've, before I heard this, where I just get up and think I'll do it later because I don't feel I'm praying. But this person wisely said, don't move. Stay where you are because you're about to move to the second level where you're actually praying. You're actually having a communication with God. But then he says, sadly, most of us leave at that point. When there's a third area that we miss, and that is when 
He speaks to you. That's when he begins to speak to us. Our lives are so busy, and I understand that. But if you want to hear him, you have to give him time to speak. To hear him. The third key is refuse to worry. Matthew chapter 3, verse 6. Jesus tells us not to worry at least four times in that verse. In that verse, And then nine verses are devoted just to not to worry. The first place we should go to is the throne room. If you allow worry to become your, it becomes your God. If you keep worrying, it becomes your God. And therefore, you can't, Jesus can't be your Lord. There is nothing he can't fix or can't do or put right. So why do we worry? Anxiety is needless worry. Care of diligence and concern, yes. But worry speaks of distrust to God. It speaks of distrust. It says, I can get this thing right myself with prayer. <laughs> Count all the prayers that have been answered in your life. Why would he fail you now? Prayerful dependency on God is important. Rather, his blessings. Uh, sorry, remember his blessings. It will soothe the anxious heart. Just remember the things. I do, you know, hmm. somebody asked me recently about how I know when God is speaking. And sometimes it's a song. Something I learned as a child. Something I learned at my mother's feet. By the way, parents, teach your children the word of God. And sometimes the Lord would just, uh, my sister was saying this and two of, uh, some of the others in the family, and I said, it happens to me too. The verse that God will bring to memory is something that has been in me. And he brings it to memory and it feeds me and it stops me from worrying. Enjoy him. Enjoy his presence. Enjoy his word. He says, reach out in prayer. Find joy in him. His peace will defend you. How peace surpasses all understanding means in the Greek, a leader. The word under, uh, surpasses means a leader above leaders. <laughs> Refuse to worry about things. Understand that Jesus gives peace to those who trust him. And ask for his help. One of the names of the Holy Spirit is helper. The Holy Spirit says to us every day, if we listen, how can I help you today? <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? When we're asleep, he's thinking about us. When we wake, he's still with us, waiting. But we get so busy. But we expect him to answer every prayer. But we don't give him time. Whatever your emotional struggle might be right now, you have a father who longs for you to look at his face. He sees you. When you feel no one sees you, there may be someone here or someone listening, and sometimes you feel no one sees you. He does. And he's waiting for you to see him. The fourth key, choose to rejoice. The church is facing opposition in and out. And here Paul is saying about joy and, and us telling the Philippians to rejoice. From a human's perspective, that does not make sense. And yet the path to joy is to choose to rejoice. So Paul tells them to rejoice in the Lord always. Of course, Worldly happiness is not the same as godly happiness. We are less likely to feel pain or cause pain when we understand the secret of joy. 
Joy in the Bible, the word joy is a celebratory term. Paul, so Paul is calling for a celebration. When you think of all that Paul has been going through and was going through, and he's calling for a celebration. The difference between joy and secular happiness is our happiness depends on what's happening in our lives. It's based on circumstances and feelings. So when things are not going right, we have an issue. But Paul says, that's a roller coaster. One minute you're up, one minute you're down. Because of the circumstances around us keeps changing, of course. We live in a fallen, broken world. But he says, let rejoice be the constant discipline. Paul is saying, in contrast to being on an emotional roller coaster, joy has to be, joy has to do rather with stability, which comes from a relationship with God that causes a celebration on the inside when everything is going crazy on the outside. It's possible, I promise you, to just suddenly feel a joy rising in you and you don't know why. Because everything around you is saying you should be crying. Or you should be whatever. <laughs> not going to say what I was going to say. We must choose to rejoice, to experience the joy God promises us. Remember David in the middle of his storm. He's told he's going to be king. And David is running for his life. God may have told you or spoken a word into your life. And right now you're not seeing the revelation of it. That's okay. You keep believing every day. Read that word. Meditate on that word. And in God's timing, it will come into being. If you allow it to come into being before God's timing, you will abort the call of God in your life. You'll abort what he wants you to do. Let him be the only midwife because he's placed the word in you. Verse 5. Don't spread unhappiness to others. Be gracious. It means we should let, not let our problems cause us to be vindictive. And that's not always easy, is it? If you're hurting on the inside, you want to hurt somebody else. You know those kinds of prayer? Lord, forgive me. Uh, please forgive her for what, or him for what he did. And then the person walks through the door and the hairs on the back of your head stands up. Hmm. God says, be gracious. Give it to me. Let me be your vindicator. Isn't that what the scripture says? I am your vindicator. Just give it to him. When things are not going well, rather we can embrace a good attitude, choose, uh, attitude Sorry, because we know God is nearby. In fact, one of his names is Jehovah Shammah. He's here. He's here. He's hearing everything you say. He's experiencing everything you, you think. He knows what we're thinking even before we think it, which always gets me upset with him. <laughs> Because sometimes I say to him, if you knew I was going to think that, why didn't you stop it? Now I ask, have to ask for forgiveness. It's only me. <laughs> he knows what we're about to think even before we think it. So be. We come to the next, the, the, the fifth key specific prayer. Be specific in what you desire. Because he knows. Colossians. Hmm? Not there yet. Colossians 4, 6, let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you should answer each other. Isn't that wonderful? Paul says, be Paul said, be careful of your speech. Let it always be with grace, 
seasoned with salt. Salt is a preservative. It affects what we say. Seasoned with salt. It matters what you say, and it matters what you do, and it matters. It mattered to these two women. It divided the church. It matters what you say. It matters how you say it and why you say it. Is it necessary to be said? Specific prayers, the next key. Verse 6. Every time we begin to worry, we should see it's a call from God asking us to pray. Prayer is a relational communication with God. It seeks to draw resources from the invisible spiritual realm into the visible physical reality. The sobering truth is the more we worry, the less we pray. And the more we pray, the less we worry. <laughs> when you make a petition, Paul says, be specific. The moment in which you are plagued with worry, it's not a time for a general prayer. It's a time to be specific. Paul says, he wants you to ask, believing that he will answer and you will rejoice. Paul says, make sure your petitions are precise. Get real with God, he's saying. I am sure you would agree with me that prayer sometimes can be frustrating. It sometimes feels as though God has left the room. Is it only me? You're praying and nothing seems to be happening. But you remember, I think I may have mentioned this the last time with Habakkuk. Habakkuk was looking at the chaos and praying about the chaos. And God said to him, why are you looking at the chaos? Turn and pray. He's praying into the chaos for the chaos to change. And God says, turn around. Look at me. They're my people. I know the chaos. Stop praying into the chaos. Look at me and see what, who I am and what I will do through you. Paul is saying, get real with God. If only we think of it in these terms, we miss, if we only think of the fact that God is frustrating and God is not answering, then we miss what God wants to do. We must pray our request with thanksgiving. Give thanks, not for the problem itself, but because you have prayed to a God, inviting him into a specific situation, and you know he will answer. Offering thanks is a demonstration of faith in God's goodness and provision, despite what you see. Life's disappointments can turn into God's divine appointments. Life's disappointments can turn into God's divine appointments. You may have a disappointment in your life today, and it's causing you to challenge if God is seeing you. Well, he is, but you need to listen because he has a divine appointment for what you're asking him for. It's more than you perhaps can receive right now. Because you can't see it yet does not mean it is not there for you. Because you cannot see it yet, the answer yet, does not mean it's not there for you. God is waiting for you to tune in to his, his um, what he is saying about you. Verse 7 says, when you pray, according to the instructions in verse 6, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard you in Jesus Christ. In other words, you will experience calm in the middle of chaos. You will know God has heard your prayer, not necessarily because the problem is solved, but because the peace of God is within you. It is as if God puts soldiers around your thoughts and prayers, your thoughts and feelings. 
Verse 8. We don't want to lose the peace of God that God grants us in a day, in a week. So to prevent that, Paul says, to prevent losing God's peace, Paul says there is a way. Paul says we should dwell on the things that are pure and the things that are true and the things that are honest and the things that are holy, lovely, commendable. And if there's any moral excellence and anything praiseworthy, we are to focus our attention there. One of the reasons we don't keep our peace is that we tend to dwell on the things that are set in opposition to peace. If we continue entertaining messages that works against peace, anxiety will soon return. We must therefore ask ourselves if we are able to praise God in the things we are dwelling on. I don't know what you're dwelling on today, but if you cannot praise God in it, change your position. If you can't, then you will lose the peace of God and the peace that God has given. And finally, final key, dynamic relationships. The, the Philippian church, as Paul was speaking to them, were to handle things in a way that they had seen Paul handle them. He was in prison when he was praising God instead of worrying. And he wrote a book in prison. In other words, if I can believe in him and what he says in his word... Even though I don't see it, so can you. That's what Paul would say if he was running a race with us today. He would say, if I can believe his word and everything he says in his word without seeing it, you can also. One of the purposes of the church, and by that I'm referring to his body, is to connect believers with other kingdom-minded people. We need to support. We need to give courage. We need to grow together. We need to grow foreign with each other. We need to encourage each other. When we're rejoicing and praying and dwelling on good things and watching the right people, we just don't have God's peace. We have the peace, the God of peace. We have his peace and his presence. I want to tell you a quick story because, um, uh, about God answering prayer. I said it at the 9 o'clock, uh, shared with you. I, when my first car, I was, I don't have many cars, but <laughs> well, years ago when I was having my first car, God, I reached out. In actual fact, it was an event. Uh, in those days, uh, we met, uh, the whole of Katie and its satellite churches met at North Acton in the e a Sunday evening. And uh, we were challenged by an American speaker to, to just give, give a little more than you normally give. You know, sometimes they say give a thousand and God. He didn't. He just said, if all you give is a pound, give two. Just burst that barrier so the enemy can't touch you, kind of thing. And so I went forward and I put a little on the thing, not knowing that my, some friends of mine further down the altar had put their car for me. Now, if I hadn't gone forward and done that, I may not have had that car. But in my step of obedience, God called them to do that with their car. So here I am in this car warehouse in um, Wimbledon. I don't know if it still exists. But I, of course, I wanted red, a red car. So I prayed for everything specific. Remember I was saying about specific prayer. Four doors, central locking, automatic. I wasn't about to drive a gear car. Automatic, uh, sunroof. Dashboard, I actually said to the Lord, a feminine dashboard. I don't know what that is, but a feminine <laughs> dashboard. And literally, 
I got to this place, and every red car I sat in, same model, Fiat Bravo, every red car had something not right. And so in my spirit, it was just, and I sat with my friend in a green car, the same Fiat Bravo, green, and I was at home. And I said to the Lord, really, Lord, green? I mean, there are other colors in the rainbow. Green? God decided green was better for me. Then, then my friend said, well, you wear red. Driving a red car, nobody will see you. But however, I, I'm going home, and I'm going down um, Shepherd's Bush, and I stopped for two young men to cross the pedestrian crossing. And both of them looked in the car and went, you look good. <laughs> That's when a disappointment becomes God-divine appointment. <laughs> Just trust God when you pray that he will answer your prayer. And I'm nearly finished. If we live in love for each other, in prayer and in righteousness and not worrying, we will live in his peace that surpasses isn't that beautiful? You can leave here today knowing that you can have the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. In Isaiah 23, 26, verse 3, you will keep in perfect peace those minds who are stayed on you. 1 Peter 2, 9, you're a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood a holy nation, God's special possession. How cool is that? <laughs> You're God's special possession. I don't even know if the word cool is used anymore. There's something else for it, I suppose. <laughs> that you may declare the praises of him who has called you out of darkness. God has called you. If you know and love the Lord here today, he called you out of darkness. Into what? His light? No, no, no. His marvelous light. Let us so live for the kingdom of God. And I must say one thing uh, in closing, because as I was coming this morning, um, Isaiah 41, verse 10, I believe, is actually I said it at the 9, and it was actually for someone. And so I believe that God has given me this verse for someone. And maybe that person is also here at the eleven. And maybe want more than one person. But God is saying to you, I don't know what your situation is, but it's something that's causing you to be afraid. Maybe people around you, your boss, whatever. I, I don't want to predict what God is saying. I'm just going to read his word. And it says, do not fear anything. For I am with you. Do not be afraid. For I am your God. I will strengthen you. Be assured I will help you. I will certainly take hold of you with my righteous right hand. If that means something to someone here, would you just stand and let's pray with you. Father, in the name of Jesus, your, his righteous right hand is a hand of justice. It's a hand of power. It's a hand of victory. It's a hand of salvation. Do not fear anything. For I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. 
I will uphold you. I will surely help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand, a hand of justice, a hand of power, a hand of victory, a hand of salvation. Father, we thank you for your word. For your word is power. And it brings life. And so I pray, Lord, for your daughters and sons who are standing here before you in faith, believing that they no longer need to be afraid of whatever the situation may be in their lives. Whatever it may look like, they do not need to fear. They do not need to worry, but ask, oh God, that, you will that they will experience your, the joy of the Lord welling up inside in the middle of this. They will experience that joy that actually says, do not fear. I've got you. I've got you. In Jesus' name. Those of you who need healing, would you stand, please? If you need healing on your body, just stand and I'll just say a quick prayer. Father, we thank you for your word that says, on the cross, you took the keys of sickness. You took the keys of sickness. And you gave us health. Not just health, but divine health. Health in the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray. It means no reoccurrence takes place. With divine health, no reoccurrence takes place. With divine health, it's, for, it's forever. So, Father, into your sons and daughters standing, I ask, oh God, I decree and declare that sickness must go in the name of Jesus. Sickness must bow. Must bow. You are a defeated foe. You are a defeated foe. You have been defeated, destroyed, and driven out by the blood of Jesus Christ. The word of God, it is written by his stripes. We are healed. So Lord, we are going to believe we can walk in your healing. Because we have been healed. We are being healed. And we will be healed. In the name of Jesus, we win. We do not lose. We win. Always. We are trusting in your divine hands, Lord. It's your sovereign hands to do that which only you can do. In the name of Jesus, Lord, release your healing in this house. Your healing over sickness. Your healing over bruisedness, bruising. Your healing over negative words that have been spoken. Your healing, oh God, over everything that is against your will and against your kingdom. We release, oh God, your healing. In the name of Jesus. That we will walk in health and strength. In Jesus' name. Amen.